Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else your podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I've discovered Spotify for podcasters, I just enjoy putting these podcasts out for everyone to really like. I highly recommend you give it a try. It's so easy to use. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. Welcome to the show, everyone. We're going to be talking about training camp. And of course, I was there for day eight yesterday. Didn't live stream yesterday. I went ahead and enjoyed a weekend. Um, but I was back out there today for day nine. And day nine was absolutely fantastic. The 49ers offense got off to a hot start and continued most of the time. Now, of course, the defense was going to be making some plays. We all knew that was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened as both... Uh, sides got after it and it's a little bit easier for the offense when Nick Bosa isn't being a pass rusher and that's exactly what we got today Nick Bosa taking a day off he was out there he did some light warm-ups uh, and got a little bit of a workout in but he did not go through team or individual drills uh, but the 49ers offense was getting after it and what is up everyone uh, welcome to chat let me go through and say what's up to everyone sorry impassable uh, that you're you know feeling that way about Jimmy uh, that's unfortunate and uh, what's up Marvin what's up Joel D will uh, filling up chat J Ellie how's it going man and traffic what's up uh, everyone already filling uh, chat up this is going to be an exciting conversation because there's a lot to get into if you follow you know the 49ers cut back over on Twitter uh, I went through and I, I did a lot of tweets today. I, I was seeing a lot of things, uh, hearing a lot of things. So uh, it, it was definitely an exciting day, and we learned a lot. And Marvin Rose says, Ant, did you see BY's acceptance speech at the Hall of Fame? I have not been able to see that acceptance speech yet, but I heard it was fantastic. I seen Rich Eisen said it was one of the best he's seen in a long time. So I do want to go and, and find that and check it out. I think it's going to be uh, a really good one to watch. And I'm I'm always into the speeches because I, I love hearing the players talk about their families, uh, what they went through to get there, and also 
a little bit about their playing, you know, past uh, the, the the stories. And I'd love to hear what BY had to say. He was definitely one of my favorite 49ers growing up. A a really good player. I was famous, not famously, but I was at the game where he got injured. Uh, unfortunately, I was there. I heard everything that happened. I saw the reactions. It was very eerie that day. Um, but seeing BY come back from that and still have, you know, a good second part of his career was definitely, definitely fantastic. And Marvin's saying, awesome. I cried through it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And what's up, Paul? Welcome to chat. This is going to be a good one. So right off the bat, when the 49ers got the offense, you know, going today, they were working on some install. They've been doing some interesting things. Yesterday, it was all about putting Debo Samuel back in the backfield, using some of the wide back rolls. Today was motion, using a lot of Ray Ray McLeod to move the pocket, um, making it look like they were going to run some fly sweeps and then running the ball. But the 49ers' offense was definitely diverse today. They were handling it through the run game, the pass game. And one thing I liked was with the play calling, the way that they were able to distribute in the run and pass, they were stretching the field horizontally with runs and with the pass and vertically with runs and in the past. So they were go they were trying to run up inside, they were trying to run outside with these, you know, pitches and tosses and outside zones. Uh, and also they were throwing it down the field. All three quarterbacks took chances down the field to different receivers. So the 49ers continue to develop the passing game, develop the run game, and it's getting better. And one of the reasons is getting significantly better is this offensive line continues to gel. Um really impressed with the offensive line. Spencer Burford has looked fantastic. He gets better every single day. Early on, it was a struggle. He was struggling a little bit, uh, but you can tell he's getting better and more confident in what his role is in this offense and understanding you know, what this playbook looks like and what his role is inside this offense. It probably helps a lot, too, that he's got Mike McGlinchey next to him more than he's ever had, and Trent Williams is back on the left side. But interior continuity on that offensive line is definitely something that's important. Yesterday, just yesterday, uh, Daniel Brunskill was getting the first team reps at center to start the day. And I noticed early on in practice that he was struggling with his snap. His snap was a little delayed compared to other centers that were playing, whether that was Keaton Sutherland or Jake Brendel, uh, even um, Dante uh, yeah, uh, West. Uh, it just seemed like it was a Donovan West. It seemed like it was a struggle you know, for, for him to snap the ball compared to everyone else. It looked like... Uh, the 49ers uh, right right guard, Spencer Burford, was offsides because he was getting off the ball so quickly. But in fact, it was just that snap was a little slow from Daniel Brunskill. And being a former line coach, I recognize that right away. Either Spencer Burford had the best first step for an offensive lineman I've seen in a long time, or the snap was just a, a hint slow. It was slow. And when you saw Brendel come in and he did end up finishing practice yesterday, then yeah, that... He, he was definitely snapping at a better a better clip. And and we were getting some some people in the chat talking about the 49ers went ahead and signed, you know, offensive linemen today. And, and they did. They they had to go ahead and sign somebody because Jalen Moore, you know, is is dealing with an injury. So they had to bring someone in right now. And they brought in offensive tackle tackle Jordan Mills. Um, that's who they brought in yesterday. The rumor was they had signed wide receiver Willie Sneed, and that was confirmed today. That did in fact happen. So they have both of those guys now added to you know this roster. What kind of role they're going to play is still to be determined. 
I know Lou had asked me in, in the comments and I haven't been able to get back to him yet. Is Willie Sneed a camp body or is he somebody that's going to help out this football team? I think it's unknown because right now we're trying to figure out if the 49ers are going to be uh, keeping five wide receivers or six wide receivers. Uh, if you're keeping five wide receivers, there's probably not a spot for Willie Sneed on this roster. If you're keeping six, there could be an opportunity uh to go ahead and get you know a Willie Sneed on the team, and that is something that the 49ers have uh, been getting is players like Willie Sneed who can block really well in the run game. So if you can block really well in the run game, you know you may have a, a chance to be on the 49ers. So maybe you know what I mean. Maybe we'll see. We'll see what happens with Sneed. Um, and I think that's one thing I'm going to continue to to hope that the 49ers keep building. You know, this roster with these good players, um, they keep building depth. Even when they go through injuries, it just continues to happen. But we'll see if they keep doing that. And Gray One had a question here. 49ers cut back. Trade Jimmy for Connor Williams. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, potentially, I think anyone could be on, you know, the radar for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo has been out there both the days working out. Of course, he throws before really any of the crowd gets there. Um, he's just doing his conditioning and, and things. I think the 49ers are trying to work out a a deal to get picks, uh, preferably picks. But if they ended up picking up a player, I don't think they would be opposed to it. I think they're just looking for a really good deal that makes sense for Jimmy Garoppolo and for the 49ers. So if that deal includes Connor Williams, then they will do it. Uh, if it doesn't, then they're going to keep waiting. But they have a loose deadline in August 30th, of course. They could keep him on the roster, use a one of these 53-man roster spots for Jimmy Garoppolo, and then trade him after that. But I think August 30th is probably the deadline for them to go ahead and make a decision on Jimmy Garoppolo. So we still have roughly 24 days until they have to do that. So all the way through preseason, you don't know what injuries are going to be like around the league. There's somebody could get hurt, lose a starting quarterback, and then Jimmy Garoppolo's value definitely goes up. Or you just get consistently bad play like you're getting in Seattle or in you know New York, and maybe then one of those teams are interested. Donald Johnson says, it sounds like Ray Ray McLeod will be involved in the deep ball. Ray Ray McLeod is going to be involved in a lot, Donald, because Ray Ray McLeod had himself a fantastic day. Not only did he catch checkdowns and intermediate routes and deep passes, but he also catch... Uh, caught a what would have been a winning touchdown. They did a final drive. They had a minute and 15 seconds to go 75 yards uh, and score a touchdown to win. They were down four in this situation. Trey Lance led them down the field. Then he came on this play. It was six seconds left, stepped up in the pocket, avoided pressure, and threw a strike to Ray Ray McLeod, who was open at the goal line. That was a big play, but McLeod has consistently gotten better and better since he had his day off. He's looked really good. I think the 49ers definitely feel comfortable with Ray Ray in this offense. If you never watched our Ray Ray's role video, go back and watch that because the, what we were talking about in Ray Ray's role is what we're seeing at 49ers practice. As this offense continues to, uh, you know, they, they continue to implement even more and it gets more diversified, you see the usage of these players being more defined. And now it's fun because now you're seeing all the different parts Kyle Shannon has to play with. And he's moving Ray Ray McLeod a lot in motion. And that is something that they're going to be able to use because Ray Ray's a threat not only to catch the ball, but to run the ball as well. So that's really nice. And what's up, Lou, KNDR? Welcome to chat. Hope you guys are having a really, really good day. And 
with training camp, there's never a shortage of storylines. And we've had so much conversation on this channel over recent weeks about this running back position. Uh, there's been a lot of hype surrounding Jordan Mason. And earlier this week, Jordan Mason was having himself one heck of a camp. What we saw as time has went through this week, and that's why things change so much out at training camp, as some of these other guys have settled in and began to get more reps, there's been other opportunities. Now, early in the week, we had Jeff Wilson Jr. suffer something of an injury, missing practice, then having to work his way back. His reps diminished uh, as they worked in some of these other guys, and that really helped um, someone like Jordan Mason get more carries. It helped Trey Sermon. Uh, it, it helped them all. Now, the one that it wasn't really showing a lot for was TDP. Uh, TDP wasn't getting when he was getting carries. It was there wasn't holes, or he was struggling a little bit to get positive yards. Well, that changed today as TDP. He had a little bit of a good end of good practice yesterday. Today, he really got after it. Even got some time with the first team. No, he's not coming after Elijah Mitchell's job because Elijah Mitchell is head and shoulders better than every other running back on this team, and he shows it with every single carry that he has. The dude is fantastic, but what TDP did start to show was that he's developing and feeling comfortable in this 49ers offense. He started to realize when he needed to slow it down a little bit and not be uh, in such a rush to get to the hole. He was able to accelerate through holes and then accelerate again as he realized where defenders were and if they were over-pursuing so he could cut back. There were a lot of really good things that came from TDP, including a lot of tough yards on third and, and fourth down shortage uh, short yards plays where the 49ers were converting and moved the ball sessions. So it was a really good practice for this running back room. We've seen guys, all of them, have good days along the way, whether that is TDP, uh, Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell. They've all had good days. And I thought Jeff Wilson Jr. was finally looking back to full speed today. So we know he's going to be a part of this running back room through the preseason. And he's going to definitely be hard to beat out because Kyle Shanahan is comfortable with them. The other thing we've started to see as they've installed on defense blitz, uh, you've had to see the blitz pickup start. So that protection from the running back spot has been important. Uh, yesterday, it was a struggle for a lot of the running backs and tight ends. Those guys were struggling in the in the per pass protection area. Today, a lot better. Um, they were stuffing guys. They were getting after it. So you're seeing the continuation of, you know, reps lead to them getting better and better. That's good. It's stacking good reps. So I'm excited about the running back room, not only running the football, but in pass protection as well. The 49ers are going to have some really tough decisions in the running back room because all these guys are definitely farther along last year. Last year you had Raheem Mostert, you had Jeff Wilson Jr. injured. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of depth at the position. And then all you really had was the battle between Wayne Gallman, Jermichael Hasty. This year, you've got a battle amongst all these guys, except for Elijah Mitchell. I would say two through six, there's a battle with Jermichael Hasty taking the abundance of the third down back role. It's going to be tough to beat him out as well. Uh, Traffic says, I've seen a clip of Drake Jackson doing some gymnastics flip stuff. Dude is a freak athlete for a size. I didn't realize super, I, I, I didn't realize super excited for him. Drake Jackson is 265 pounds and you're right. He was part of the rookie hype train yesterday. Did a roll off uh, backhand back or uh, back spring or whatever it's called. It was ridiculous. Uh, it was fantastic. The dude is a freak athlete. 
He has tremendous reps. He had a rep today on the interior where he absolutely, you know, walked uh, the interior. I think it was uh, Keaton Sutherland back into the quarterback. He's got some skills. He's going to continue to develop as his hand placement things get better. He's going to be even tougher. And what's up, Spy Nick Danger? Welcome to chat. Uh, Lou says, if a team really wanted Jimmy G, it would have made a play for him. Seems all teams are content with just pick him up as a backup and not give up anything barring an injury. That could be the case. You know, I mean, we're going to find out. We're going to see what Jimmy Garoppolo worth is around the league or what they have a value for him on. I'm sure a lot of these teams are trying to call the 49ers bluff and just him be released so they can pick him up late. That is definitely something that could happen. Um, but the 49ers, you know, could still wait and just and see what happens. They have no reason to do anything until August 30th. Then they can make a decision and a decision that if he ended up in Seattle wouldn't hurt them as bad in week two because he did, wouldn't have had an entire training camp to get ready playing with the 49ers. A great one says, 49ers cut back. If Ayuk has a breakout year, do you see us trading either him or Debo after the season, knowing that Ayuk is going to want to get paid? Well, Ayuk is going into his third season in the NFL. So he was a first-round pick. So if he blew up this season, they could they could definitely ex use his fifth-year option to give them two more years to decide. So they could have him play out his fourth the same way they did with Debo, and then they could go ahead and use his fifth-year option like they're doing with Nick Bosa to keep him for a fifth year. That would be the best way to go. You could try to decide what you wanted to do before that fifth-year option, or you could just let it play out. And if he decided to leave in free agency, you could get a comp pick back. But I think that's when the decision happens. It won't be after this year, but actually after next year. But it is going to be a problem if Brandon Ayuk has a, a breakout season. You're going to have to decide. It's probably going to be one or the other, which is going to be a tough decision. The only thing is when you're coming out of the fifth-year option for Brandon Ayuk, you're going into the third year of Debo Samuel's extension. So maybe you can make some decisions, hopefully. Um, it's going to be interesting for sure. Lou, Lou says the running back group will play itself out in preseason games. I'm excited about that because then you can finally see these guys uh, get tackled to the ground. Right now, there's no tackling to the ground, so their physicality is definitely more enhanced than it normally would be as they're bouncing off defenders who can't go full speed, who can't go low and tackle them. So I'm excited to see how some of these bigger running backs fare against defenders that are trying to get them to the ground. And if they run as hard as they have been and they're able to break those tackles, then, then maybe they're, you know, this running back room is going to be even better than they have looked already. They could be even better than that, which is scary to say. But what I've been mainly focusing on with the running back room is mainly the vision. And there was a play today where uh, Elijah Mitchell ran the ball. He goes to the right side between Burford and Mike McGlinchey, and he has an avenue to cut left or to cut right. He goes right. He ends up getting five or six yards. Uh, from my vantage point behind the defense, I could see that if he would have cut left, it would have been a big big time play. Later on, uh, down the road, they're running the exact same play. He goes right through the line of scrimmage. The same thing presents itself. He can go right and get a nice positive gain, or he can go left and break it. He went left. He broke for a touchdown, 90-yard touchdown. It's a fantastic run. Elijah Mitchell has looked quick. He looks strong, and he's making right the right reads. I believe he's more equipped to handle what Kyle Shanahan wants in this offense, whether that sweep plays outside zone, vertical runs on the inside, gap scheme. He does it all well. He shows patience when he knows needs to show patience, and he hits the, the gas when he needs to hit the gas. And then on that 90-yard run, he hit the NOS because he was able to run past almost everybody. 
So it's good to see from Elijah Mitchell. Great development from last year. I think we can be excited about Elijah Mitchell being running back one. The question is who's going to be behind him. And those things, like Lou said, are going to definitely play out during training camp. Joel says that 53-man cutdown will be tough. Yeah, that's going to be really tough, Joel. It really is. I, I feel bad for a lot of the players that are going to get cut. I'm sure most of these guys are going to end up landing on rosters around the league because they're just so talented. I mean, John Lynch and Kyle Shannon did a really good job of building this 53-man roster. How they're going to constitute it is the question. Are they going to keep you know, 11 defensive linemen with seven edge rushers and four interior or six and five? They keeping five uh, wide receivers. There's just so much that plays into it, right? Four safety, six corners. Will Jason Verrett start on the pup list? There's just so many things that need to be figured out. And I think until we have those answers, we're just not going to know how good this 53-man roster can be. But I think we have an idea of how good it is. And a great one says, my man, Ant, appreciate the knowledge. Uh, thank you so much, great one. I really appreciate that. Scott Hill says, hey, Ant, I heard Debo is struggling a little. So I haven't really seen the struggle. I've seen the 49ers working him in, um, trying to get his role down. Right now, I think he's been working on chemistry with Trey Lance. Yesterday, they stayed after practice and got a little bit of extra work in. Trey has done a pretty good job of trying to get the ball sprayed around to the different receivers, but I do think they're managing Debo a little bit on his snaps and the amount of reps that he's actually taking out there because he's still in week one of his training camp. So the same way they would have managed him last week, they'll manage him you know, right now. So at some point, we'll see Debo Samuel ramp up but I'm not worried about Debo as yesterday was installed for Debo. So you saw Debo in the backfield. You saw Debo motion out of the backfield, getting matchups on linebackers from the backfield. It was a really good look. So I, I think Debo is going to be just fine, but uh, I think that they're definitely working him in. But yeah, he's already been making plays. Has he looked as good as Brandon Ayuk? No, because nobody has looked as good as Brandon Ayuk at training camp as far as on offense. He has been the shining star. He's taking it personal when he's going out there against these defensive players. I guarantee they have a mad respect for what Brandon Ayuk can do on offense. And so I think that's part of it when it, with the passing game. It's going to be a little bit harder to figure out what they're going to do. The good news is a perfect example of what Trey brings to the offense. Now, this was an incomplete pass, but it was something that, that I took note of because we had a situation where Debo was running a deep crossing route and you had George Kittle go up the seam on a deep route. Now, George Kittle had a guy underneath and a safety trying to get over the top. Debo Samuel definitely had an opening with a safety looking to uh, come down on him. Jimmy Garoppolo would have thrown the deep cross or would have thrown the crosser to Debo Samuel. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo definitely would have completed that for you know a considerable gain. But Trey Lance knows that the big play and the play that is actually the right read is the throw to George Kittle. Um, and he definitely took it. He just was a little off. They just don't, didn't have the timing down perfectly, and he overshot George Kittle a little bit. But in that situation, Trey Lance made the right read, and that's what I'm looking for when it comes to the young quarterback. Can he consistently make the right read? If he can, um, that means he's going to get the ball to the right receiver. That's going to make Kyle Shanahan happy, and that's going to also make these other receivers happy because they know their number's going to get called in certain situations. There's going to be plays designed for Ayuk, for Debo Samuel, George Kittle. And if Trey reads it and then gets after it, uh, I think he definitely can. And what's up, Jules? I hope you're having a good day. I think that the, the 49ers are going to figure this whole offensive thing out. They have a tremendous amount of weapons. 
Uh, Trey Lance definitely looked more comfortable today than I've seen him look, you know, the entire time during training camp. So I think that that comfort factor, along with tremendous amounts of talent, are going to be beneficial for Trey Lance in the future. And I think all the quarterbacks were enjoying having a little bit more time to throw the football. They weren't consistently under pressure every single play. Uh, I thought that that was really nice to see. So give these quarterbacks opportunities to get the ball out, let them make plays. That's what you need from this 49ers offense because it ain't easy going against this defense. This defense is absolutely tremendous. They get after you. Uh, they have a lot of talent almost at every single position. And one of the positions that it was interesting to see today was the safety position. I'm sure if you have been on Twitter, uh, you've seen that Tarverius Moore was taking first-team reps today. Tarverius Moore was playing opposite of Jimmy Ward, which he has done in short spurts, but has not done you know, for long periods of time. And he did it all the way from install. So they were going through what they were going to be running. They were working on their shell coverages, uh, shell coverages being showing one coverage, but then ultimately running another. So it's a pre-snap read. Okay, I'm showing you this pre-snap. And then right before the snap, I changed. They're working on that. And also their blitz install. Uh, they're blitzing linebackers and safeties. And they're really working on some stunts on the interior as well. That was what today was about for the defense. And so we we're watching those things happen. And Tarverius Moore was the guy getting those reps not Hufanga, which I thought was very noteworthy because Hufanga's had a tremendous training camp so far. And so the fact that he wasn't out there was surprising, but that just goes to show how good Tarverius Moore has been playing, which is a good sign. It's a really good sign. And Kane DR says, 2021, Ayuk is in the doghouse. 2022, Ayuk got the dog in him. Yeah, that, that that's the best way to say it right there. Uh, he, he definitely... Definitely has become a dog on that field. He's the most confident, you know, wide receiver out there. You can see it. Uh, he, he shows it in his body language. He shows it in his play, you know, and they had that fantastic play today. And it was one of the ones that stood out to me because it's Trey Lance's understanding of the 49ers offense. He comes to the line of scrimmage. He sees the box he's got and he goes ahead and you see him do this, you know, both hands up. He's canning the play. Uh, and when they do that, that means they're checking from the, the first play that was called into the second play that Kyle Shanahan called in the huddle, and he cans the play. And, you know, I'm so used to seeing it from Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, but most of the time Jimmy was canning into a run play. Well, Trey canned from a run to a pass. He had uh, Brandon Ayuk on the left side in a one-on-one -on -one situation with Emmanuel Mosley. He ran Mosley off, came back, caught the ball along the sideline for a nice 12 to 13-yard gain. It was well executed from all parties, but it showed a little bit of command from Trey Lance and a little bit of him being comfortable with what he's looking at on the defense. And understanding where you're supposed to go with the ball is one thing. Being able to not only understand that, but then get the ball out, you know, when you're tasked to do so is very impressive. Those are the things that make you optimistic about Trey Lance. Now, of course, keep, keep those tempered expectations because you don't want to start blowing this out. We had 49er George who came in the other day with a super chat, and he said, you know, Trey Lance with 3,000 combined yards with 25 touchdowns would be what he would think. And I think that's a good starting point because those are realistic numbers with how the 49ers are going to be running the football this year. So remember that. And we do have a $5 super chat from Jag at TCC. Will we keep three quarterbacks or will one be on the practice squad? Who looks better, Purry or Sudfeld? So far, who has surprised you from the O-line? How's Lenore? 
Uh, first off, they're going to keep two quarterbacks, uh, and it's going to be Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld has a better command of this offense. He throws a better football. Um, Nate Sudfeld is definitely better than Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is a practice squad uh, caliber player right now. He's had moments where he has you know a, a really good play here or there. Um, but you can tell it's a rookie with some growing pains. He's not as gifted as the other two guys ahead of him. So there's a lot that you know needs to happen there. As far as the the offensive line, I think what surprised me is that Spencer Burford has been able to go wire to wire so far as a starting right guard. He's in there and he's gotten better every single day. I had no doubts that Spencer Burford was going to be a good player, but if I didn't know for sure he was going to be starter day one. That's not normally how the 49ers go about business along the offensive line. Mike McGlinchey being, you know, one of those ones that did. But yeah, Spencer Burford looks the part. He's played the part. The guy is physically imposing. And I've noticed that his techniques, skills, and abilities get better every single day. He's definitely stacking good reps on good reps. Uh, he's definitely been able to anchor. They've been going on one-on-ones. He's been doing good in there. But I've mainly been watching his 11-on-11s. And he does a really good job of working with whoever the center is on not only, you know, doubling the press to the second level to make those blocks on linebackers, but also when he pulls and gets out in the open field. Uh, he was, just the other day, he was swimming past the defensive lineman and going and helping on a screen pass. He looks athletic. So I like Spencer Burford's development. And that's why today I tweeted, and this could be a little bit of one of those, you know, pipe bomb situations, but there's a potential that Daniel Brunskill doesn't start this year, which I didn't think was possible. But Brendel might beat him at center, and Spencer Burford might beat him at guard. Daniel Brunskill could be your sixth offensive lineman, which is absolutely crazy to think because they have very much very talented players. And then the last part of Jags was how's Lenore? Lenore has looked good. Lenore has outplayed Ombre Thomas. Lenore will probably be on this 53-man roster. Now that I believe Jason Vrett is probably going to start on the pup list after Kyle Shanahan's comments today. Elusa's aunt, are you comfortable with either one of these centers starting? If not, uh, then what or who? Yeah, I am actually comfortable right now. I'm more comfortable with Drake Brendel after the last couple of days than Daniel Brunskill, which Thursday I was more comfortable with Brunskill. But Brunskill's slow snaps have got me a little bit concerned. Uh, anytime you're a little bit slower on the snap, the offensive line timing can get off. I've thought Brendel's looked more consistent over the last couple of days. We'll see if Brunskill can pick it up. He's been working really hard after practice with Trey Lance to try to get his snap up to speed. Uh, but we'll see if that ends up translating. So right now, yeah, I do feel comfortable. I'm actually very comfortable if that's the two guys we roll with because Brendel's look really good. And he's getting a lot of really good chemistry working you know, with Aaron Banks and with Spencer Burford, they've been able to pass guys off in the pass protection game and also work with each other to be able to make these interior blocks they need to make in the zone scheme. So, so far, I feel pretty good about him. Great one says, hey, Ant, I've been saying for a long time now that Tavares Moore is going to have a breakout season. There you go. Great one's on it. I mean, and, and he definitely looks healthy. The Achilles is back. Uh, he's ready to roll. So uh, that was a good call on your part, great one, because uh, Tavares Moore definitely could end up making an impact on this team. I do think we're moving towards a situation where we get three safeties that play predominantly through the year and a split between Hufanga and more of 60-40, kind of the same way they did with Jaquiski Tart last year. So I think there's going to be opportunities for three safeties on the field at the same time and opportunities for them to have a nice rotation opposite of Jimmy Ward, depending on situation and what skill set you want to use in your defense.
Uh, Donald says, everyone, how many passing yards do you think Trey is going to have? Uh, so I'm curious what people are having, and KNDR is having some fun with that right away, because I know there's no way that KNDR actually thinks Trey is going to have 5,000 yards of offense, or of uh, passing the football. Uh, Golden says 10,000 passing yards. Uh, Donald, uh, Marvin says 3,500. So everyone's kind of populating chat. You know, with some of these uh, interesting numbers for Trey Lance's potential passing yards. Lou says, who is disappointing you the most so far on the O-line? Also, I haven't heard you mention Zakel at all. Is there an issue? So, yeah, I actually was just on with John Chapman over on his Patreon, uh, the 49ers Rush Patreon, and we were having a conversation about some of the offensive linemen. And one of them that we were talking about is Nick Zakel. Um, So Nick Zakel, Jason Poe, are kind of in the, and maybe Donovan West are in a similar situation where all of them are making strides and getting better, but wh- you know which one of them is going to be able to make this team? It's going to be difficult because even though all of them have had moments where they look good, you can definitely see that some of them are struggling at times with different uh, parts of their game against this 49ers interior defensive line, which, I mean, it's not easy to go against this defensive line. Um, but definitely they have moments. I've seen Zakel have great moments where he gets guys off the ball in the run game and look good. And I've also seen him have some moments where he looks like a rookie and he gets beat. So I don't know exactly of those three, which one of them can make the roster. And all the while that there's some you know conversation about those guys and their development, a guy like Colton McKivitz, I believe is having a really good camp. Uh, Colton McKivitz has looked like the sixth best lineman right now. And that, I mean, that could all change with Brunskill moving to a different position, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I'm not saying those guys are disappointing because I don't think they're really disappointing to me. In fact, none of the linemen are disappointing. I just think they're continuing to develop and we're going to see. And I think some of the elevation of like a Spencer Burford, the way Colton McKivitz has played, uh, you know, maybe are, are the reasons why. Now, Justin Skule has struggled at times. Uh, Skule is definitely behind Colton McKivitz. So if you had Justin Skule potentially making the 53-man roster on Colton McKivitz, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So... We'll, we'll see how this ends up playing out. But, yeah, they got some really talented football players. And figuring out who are going to be the eight or nine offensive linemen, depending on how they decide to do it, is going to be difficult. Because if Daniel Brunskill's not starting on the offensive line, he's one of those eight guys. If Colton McKivitz is, you know, if there's no injuries, Colton McKivitz could be the seventh guy. Who's the eighth guy? You have your you have your choices, you know, to, to be made. You want to keep Nick Zakel, who has a lot of versatility to play three positions. Uh, do you want to keep Donovan West as a a third, you know, potential center? Do you want to keep Jason Poe, you know, who's really pigeonholed into that guard spot, but definitely has improved throughout training camp? It's going to be a tough decision to make. You have some really really good football players uh, and some young guys that need a lot of development. So I I mean, it's if Colton McKivitz wasn't so young, you could say okay. But we also have Jalen Moore, who's been injured. So here I am talking about Zakel, Poe, West, and all the while I'm thinking, what if Jalen Moore comes back before you know the 53-man roster gets announced? It could be Jalen Moore, and Jalen Moore has definitely outplayed those other three guys. So you could see, I mean, I hate to say this, but on August 30th, from what I've seen at training camp, and we know the 49ers like to just keep the best guys, they could potentially cut uh, West, uh, Poe, and Zakel. Uh, that could happen. And if, if they don't keep nine nine offensive linemen, that definitely is a possibility on August 30 when they make their final cuts. Uh, KNDR Collectible says, how many passing TDs will Debo have? 
Uh, passing or receiving? If you're talking about passing, I don't think there's going to be any today, but or any this year. But we'll see. You never know. You never know. What's up, Ernest? Hope you're having a good time. Welcome to chat. So yeah, I mean, there's going to be some decisions that need to be made along that offensive line, the same way that decisions need to be made along that defensive line. There's a lot of really good football players. Now, the defensive line is a little bit more interesting because those guys are just so good. With the offensive line, they're really good, but they, the young guys are kind of even right now. None of them have really stood out, but that could change. We're not done with training camp yet. We have three days. We have Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday of training camp, and then they're going to wrap training camp. They have a preseason game against Green Bay at Levi Stadium on Friday, and then after that, you know, they're just going to have their normal practices. They continue to work through the preseason. We know it's going to be a quick turnaround. They're playing. They're going to be headed to Minnesota, uh, and then that's when they're going to have joint practice in Minnesota. We'll learn a lot about these football players. I know the coaches are going to learn a lot about these guys, and then it'll be right away, right after Minnesota game on August 20th, you're going to be playing another team, and you're going to be playing the Houston Texans on that Thursday. And then you've got decisions to make because the following Tuesday you have to cut down you know, to 53, which is going to be difficult. I mean, it's not going to be easy to walk away from some of these young players who are out there making plays. It, it, this team is stacked. You know, and the Warriors are going to cut some really good players. They're going to try to put 16 of those really good players on their practice squad, but we'll see who they're able to keep and you know who other teams go ahead and grab. Uh, Golden Dragon says Jalen Moore is week one starting right guard September 11th, 2022. Um, Golden Dragon, I mean, coming into training camp, I, I would have said that that's a distinct possibility. From everything I saw from Jalen Moore, number one, he's gotten all the reps at right tackle. Number two, he got hurt. I think that's going to definitely stop that from happening and delay him from having that opportunity to start. He should be back by the end of the preseason, which means he could be a viable option to start on the 53-man roster as of week one against the Chicago Bears. But th for him to start at right guard, I don't think that's a possibility now. I think if they would have made a decision at the center position and been able to move Jalen Moore back inside to guard, uh, or even Daniel Brunskill, we would probably would have had a better answer. I just don't think Moore is going to be there now, but I don't think that's a bad take. I just, I think the injuries are kind of hurting him in those situations. <laughs> Jag with a $2 super chat says, at TCC, what is your honest opinion on McGlinchey? Uh, my honest opinion is McGlinchey looks good. He looks healthy. Early on, you could see that he was really working to get the rust off. Uh, there were some struggles when he was in his kick slide. Nick Bosa, they've been putting Nick Bosa on him a lot. Bosa was definitely working him, especially with the speed rush. Uh, he has been able to anchor, which means he's got the body that he needs to have. He says he's back to his original playing weight of 310 pounds. We know in 2020, he got closer to 300 pounds. And in 2021, he was playing close to 320. So he believes at 310, his athletic ability is at a, a height also, but he's able to anchor because at 310, he was better, more athletic. His run grade was better than it's ever been because he's more athletic. The problem was he wasn't able to anchor when he got into a bull rush situation. An edge defender was able to drive him straight back into the quarterback. So I think McGlinchey's looking pretty good right now. I think he's gotten consistently better with every single rep. And I'm excited to have him there because this offensive line uh, looks a lot better with Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams as the bookend guys. And I think Sp Spencer Burford and uh, McGlinchey are working pretty well together. And we have a $10 super chat from Ernest who says, Lemon character moving in excitement. Lemon character moving in excitement. I don't know exactly what that means. Oh, it's a super sticker. 
Wow, I didn't even realize it was a super sticker. So thank you so much for the super sticker, Ernest. I really appreciate that. Uh, well done. And, and thanks for the super chat. I mean, it, it, it means a lot. Um, I always appreciate anyone that's willing to, um, you, know, you know, throw down a little bit for us. I, that's, it, it means so much. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you so much, Ernest. Uh, you're, one of the, you're one of the best. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike McGlinchey's one of those guys that's been getting after it. And uh, early on, I mean, if you were watching and you saw the shaky reps that he was taking early on in this week against Bosa, I'm sure a lot of people would have been very concerned that we were going to see, you know, a, a struggling Mike McGlinchey. But we just haven't seen that. And he's been able to get healthy as far as being able to get to second level. You can see the run game came back early. He's blocking very well at the second level. The problem was when we got into past situations were the struggles. Now we're starting to see that subside a little bit. Now, of course, the 49ers are past install. Um, that's why you're starting to get into move the ball uh, situations. So Kyle Shanahan can call whichever plays he wants to call to take advantage of the defense. So what you're seeing now is a more diverse attack on offense through the run game, through the pass game. So it's just a lot different. So, of course, the defense was going to have the advantage early on against the 49ers offense, and now the offense is catching up. And they just struck back, and they're making plays. Now, the defense doesn't go down without a fight, though, because they always make plays. Uh, they've had a couple of times, you know, they made plays. Jimmy Ward had a pick six today. Trey was looking left. He wanted to find something there. Went back right to find Elijah Mitchell on a check down, and Jimmy Ward was doing his job. It was his you know, his assignment that he needed to do, take care of, he drove on the ball, even made an interception. Um, those are plays where Trey's going to learn from, and then it's good that he's learning those against really good, talented football players that can make those plays. When he gets into games, he doesn't have that problem. And Ernest says, I work hard, my man, and watch every day. Uh, thank you. Or you work hard, my man, and watch every day. Thank you so much, Ernest. I really appreciate that, and I appreciate everyone that watches every single day. I've had a lot of times... Uh, you know, working uh, working with all you guys and having these great conversations, it's nice. Uh, Lou says, I want to carry nine at O-line, lose one safety. A cornerback can do double duty. Yeah, that works as long as you're willing to keep the, that certain guy from the cornerback position, which would be Dante Johnson. I don't know if Dante Johnson's going to be able to make this roster. Um, right now, the Fourniers are going to have some real conversations in that defensive back room about which guys make it because... The honest truth right now is that Ombre Thomas isn't one of the six best cornerbacks on this team. Does he have the potential to be one of the six best cornerbacks on this team? Absolutely. But he just hasn't played that to that level right now. I keep hoping, I keep watching him, hoping that he's going to start elevating his game to what we saw some from last year. But he consistently has troubles with some of these 49ers receivers. I mean, it's not easy to cover a Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, or Danny Gray who can fly down the field faster than anyone on the team. But, I mean, he's consistently getting beat. Uh, I, I keep waiting for his technique to get there. Well, he'll, you know, he'll go ahead and take charge. But Diamond Lenore's having a great camp. So would they be willing to, you know, keep a Dante Johnson for that role that you're talking about, Lou, over potentially keeping one of these young players? Are they going to give up on Ombre Thomas give up on a Diamondo Lenore or Samuel Womack. I just don't know. I mean, that's one of the tough decisions to make. All the while, the number one nickel corner on this team right now is Darquez Denard. And with Denard being able to do what he does, uh, I don't see him giving it up. He looks comfortable in that nickel role. And so I think the Fourniers are pretty set on who their starters are right now. I think at some point when Jason Verrett comes back, 
they'll start working him into whatever role they decide. Uh, but it, right now it appears without, you know, barring an injury or somebody coming out of nowhere that Denard's going to be playing with Charverius War and Emmanuel Mosley. But I think there's a, there's going to be some decisions at the cornerback room and it's definitely muddied up because they have, you know, are you going to give up on a third round pick? I don't think they want to. I really don't. Scott Hill says, hey, Ant, how much is Kyle going to use Trey during preseason? I don't think it's going to be very much. I, I really don't. I think that's part of the reason that they brought in a an extra quarterback for a workout. I think they're monitoring quarterbacks because Kyle's trying to figure out how he's going to navigate through this preseason where he doesn't really want to play much of his starters. He wants to be able to play them as little a little amount as possible in the preseason games because he's got three games in 13 days. That's not good for a 49ers team or a NFL team. You don't want to have that many games that close together because you. that's why you have 90-man rosters. You need to be able to get through all these games, and it's tough because these guys are consistently getting reps at practice. You throw in the fact they're going to have joint practices with the Minnesota Vikings coming up, you know, next, not this next week, coming up the week after that. That is going to be difficult. Now, those practices mean more to the 49ers than any preseason game. You're not going to learn as much from a preseason game as you can from a controlled practice against another team. Because in those controlled practice settings, you can come up with certain situations, right? Two-minute drill, no problem. You can do that. Those might not happen in a preseason game because you might get the ball back with 30 seconds left on your own 20 and there's nothing you can do. You're kneeling on and going into half. But in those situations, you can make those happen in a joint practice. So you can set up all kinds of different scenarios that work best for both teams that get you through some real work. That's why those are very important. And you're going to go against good first teams and good second teams. Like it's, it's actually the best situation for NFL teams. If the NFL ever went away from preseason games, there would just be, you know, two sets of joint practices. I think the teams would actually prefer those. I know coaches would. Uh, the only thing that preseason is really good for is getting a coach used to rotating players in and out, getting used to managing the clock, getting used to working with referees, but they do some of that in practice as well. So I don't think we're going to see a lot of Trey. I don't think we're going to see a lot of like a lot of these offensive players, including Trent Williams, uh, Mike McGlinchey. I think we're going to see a limited amount. And I think we're going to see a lot of backups, but there are guys are guys on the back end that really need a lot of work. So uh, could we see Trey a series here or there? Maybe one game we see a quarter. That is a possibility. But beyond that, I don't think we're going to get not like a half like they used to do with their dress rehearsal. Uh, Golden Dragons and Samuel Womack is coming. Yeah, Womack has looked very good. He's getting better and better every day. His technique is getting better and better every day. You can tell he's starting to feel more comfortable in what his role is. Um, before, you could tell he was maybe a step slow because he was thinking. As these rookies get more comfortable with what they're supposed to do in the 49ers scheme, then they can just start reacting. When you don't have to think and you could just react, it speeds you up. So you're going back to playing football fast. That's important. And I think that's what's slowly happening for Womack. And that's happening for a lot of these young rookies. So they're figuring it out. And as they figure it out, they're just going to keep getting better and better. Marvin says good competition improves the team. Definitely, Marvin. Good competition is good. Uh, it just makes everyone better. And that's why you want to go out and you want to play these other teams as well. Because the number one you know team for the Minnesota Vikings is going to be really good. And that's going to be good work. And it's also a team that doesn't know every single in and out about your plays. They don't know everything about your personnel and their weaknesses, so it's a little bit different. Uh, Gary, what's up, Gary? Hope you're having a good day. Says, what do you see with the tight end blocking? The tight end blocking, they've been working on a lot of different things. 
uh, is definitely getting a little bit better. And there's guys on the team now that can make blocks. George Kittle, of course, is George Kittle. He can do a lot of really good things. And then Tyler Croft has been a, a very welcomed addition to this roster. He's firmly in tight end two situations. When they go to two tight end sets, it's George Kittle and Tyler Croft. They've been playing well together. Croft has been blocking well. He's been running good routes. He's been catching the ball when the ball is thrown to him. Tyler Croft is tight end two. Uh, Ross Dwelly has showed improvement in, in, in the blocking ability. So right now, I think Ross Dwelly is three. And then I think after that, you've got, you know, the other guys, Tanner Hudson, uh, Troy Fumagalli, who are battling um, with Hudson being a little bit better in the passing game, Fumagalli being a little bit better in the in the blocking area. But, but both can do each. So it's not like they're bad. They're more well-rounded than we've seen in the past. So Dwelly improving right now. I have him as the third tight end. But I don't know what's going to happen with Charlie Warner because if Charlie Warner's ready to come back, I think he would catapult over the top of of Ross Dwelly and make this roster. Let's see, <laughs> uh, Mr. Corey saying there's no way Jalen Moore beats out Burford. Oh, you never know. You you never never know. So I, I think there's going to be some decisions that need to happen along the offensive line. Um, the good news is, and this is what I think Mr. Corey and Golden Dragon can can agree on. Is the 49ers are in a better, you know, situation than I thought we, were, we we thought coming in because we've said for a long time, if, if we get to a situation where Daniel Brunskill is not starting, at, you know, at an offensive line position, a starting position, then this team is drastically better because that means you improved. He was a starter last year. Uh, that would be impressive. The fact that you've improved enough to where a, a incumbent starter is not starting anymore. And that means Daniel Brunskill becomes your swing player. He can play any offensive line position. He gives you great versatility. That's good news for the 49ers. I'm very excited about that. I mean, if you have Daniel Brunskill and Colton Kivitz as line linemen six and seven, they can play almost any position. They definitely give you a tremendous amount of depth just in case a Trent Williams or a Mike McGlinchey go down. That would be nice. Colton McKivitz would be good uh, to go with uh, Daniel Brunskill. And Jag with a $2 super chat. At TCC, will our running game change under Coach Lynn? Um, the running game has changed a little bit. I think some of it goes with Coach uh, Forrester, who's the offensive line coach and now the run game coordinator. There's a little bit of aspects of the game that have changed a little bit. I think when it comes to Anthony Lynn, um, what Lynn does is he just has a little bit of a few different things that he does compared to what we saw from Coach Bobby Turner. But because they're so consistent in this scheme, a lot of times the the things you do as far as drills uh, and and you know the, the, the reps that you go through are dictated by the scheme that you're playing in. So the drills aren't going to drastically change. You'll see a couple of different things here or there, but maybe the attention to a certain detail or something like that can be from Lynn or even a philosophy. Those things can definitely change. I think Anthony Lynn is going to be good for this running back room. I think Bobby Turner was great for this running back room, but I think it's always nice to hear a fresh voice, maybe a fresh angle at which to approach it. I mean, that's the good news for most of these guys. They've got the best of both worlds, right? They've got to be coached under Bobby Turner and now Anthony Lynn, both have had tremendous success in this league. So I think that's good. And, and Chris Forster's doing a good job putting this run game together. In fact, I tweeted that out today. I thought we're starting to see what the makeup of this offense is going to look like with a run game, uh, you know, kind of called out by Forrester. And I think Forrester's going to do a really good job of putting it together. And I think it's going to be, you know, very nice. Uh, I'm excited about what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball uh, because I think um, he's going to have a diverse look. He's going to have a real diverse look for this team. 
and it's not going to be a problem. And some of the things that he's doing are kind of old school. Um, I saw a couple crack blocks today and stuff from Brandon Ayuk, and uh, those kind of things reminded me of Harbaugh's offense a little bit. So that's the good news. You're going to see a, a mixture of vertical run game, gap scheme, um, outside zone, sweep uh, plays with tosses. Uh, there's going to be a variety. Some of it's going to look like Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, and some of it's going to look like Chris Forrest or Anthony Lynn. Uh, it could be a beautiful marriage. We'll see. We'll see what happens when they get into these games and see how this run game goes. But uh, anytime you diversify a run game, that's good. And all the while, you've got Trey Lance, who adds a lot, including you know quarterback power and all of those sort of things. Uh, 1999 super chat from sherry robson hi mom thank you Ann, for being our eyes and ears at 49ers training camp you keep bringing great and honest content of the 49ers progress thank you so much i appreciate that i haven't really saw mom lately i need to i need to see mom that'll be fun um but thanks for that i appreciate it uh big time um uh, mr Corey says y'all know how i feel about mcglinchy so i won't blabber the point but center concerns me with brendel or brunskill i have those same concerns mr Corey. you know i have and I'll be honest, I mean, I thought as of Thursday uh, that Daniel Brunskill was going to win this job. After seeing uh, Brunskill have a few struggles yesterday, I've kind of tempered my expectations on him. I focused in on Brendel, and Brendel's definitely seizing the moment. I think I believe Kyle Shanahan when he says he's comfortable with both guys. I was watching Bruns uh, Brendel uh, pretty extensively today, and I thought that he did a really, really good job. So... Um, I was more comfortable with Brendel today than I've been the entire time, which means he's getting better. His reps look better. His work uh, going from, you know, double to pressing up to second level with Burford and Banks looked really good. I mean, of course, Brunskill does good in those areas as well. But he's definitely a more comfortable snapper, more comfortable playing the center position. Jake Brendel looks like a center. Daniel Brunskill looks like an offensive lineman that's learning to play center. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Uh, but both of them have tremendous athletic ability. Both of them are able to anchor when needed in the pass game. Both can push to second level and take on linebackers. So, I mean, you can feel good about both of those. And uh, Mr. Corey says, I've given up on Treader coming. I think that's probably a good idea. Uh, just go ahead and, and start, you know, realizing that they're probably not doing that. I don't know where Treader's going to end up, but we'll see. Olivia Kenny says, fresh eyes on the running game and experience in the offense coaching and playing good or bad. That's really good. Uh, anytime you get fresh eyes, it can give you a different perspective. Sometimes, you know, people see it one way and only one way. Uh, getting a different perspective is not bad. You you weigh the information that you get and then you proceed. So Kyle Shanahan is going to be the ultimate, you know, finishing finisher on all these situations and all these things. So Forrester's going to go to uh, Kyle Shanahan and he's going to say, hey, this is what we came up with for the offensive run game. What do you think about it? And Shannon's either going to say, yeah, it looks great, or oh, you're going to do this. Because when it comes down to it, he's the CEO, CEO of this team. He's going to sign off on both game plans. He's not trying to micromanage what these guys do, but he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game because that's what he did last year. And then he's going to count on Forrester, who's done this for a long time, including being an offensive coordinator in this league, and Anthony Lynn to go ahead and formulate a run game that he can sign off on. He'll have his own tweaks, but they're going to get chemistry of getting used to know what they want to do and how they want to attack these defenses and a lot of it's going to come down to how these defenses plan on attacking them so the looks that they get are going to dictate what they do in the run game it's real simple if they want to come up with six guys along the line of scrimmage 
It's going to change how you attack. The best way to do it is to go outside. They're going to want to run those pitch toss plays. That's why they ran so many tosses last year because of the way the defense were approaching them. Now, teams started bringing up safeties on the outside to make it more difficult. So they started using outside receivers to go ahead and trap those guys, kick those guys inside uh, with these crack blocks, and it worked out well. Um, we'll see if they continue that trend so far. I haven't seen some of the looks we saw last year. Some of them look different, um, but we're seeing positive run results from this offense. Some of it, the offensive line is is getting better. Others, because these running backs are getting more comfortable in this uh, 49ers run scheme. Lou says, wow, Brunskill might go from starting guard to center to first backup. Ouch. It's possible. Uh, I'm not going to count Brunskill out because we're a long ways away. I just thought for the first time today was that realization like, wait, Brunskill might not actually start this year. And it's the first time I actually had that thought. Because before that, I always thought if he didn't start at center, he would end up starting at guard over Burford. Just Burford's improving so much. This offensive line's looking good in the chemistry. Uh, so it's 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 a realization that I think everyone can have, that that's a possibility. In the end, it might not happen. It, it might not be Daniel Brunskill you know, as a six offensive lineman. He might end up starting at center or guard. What I'm saying is for once, this is a real possibility. And if that's the case... The offensive line is better off this year than it was last year, and that's saying a lot. Um, Marvin Russell, so does Trey Sermon make this team? I believe he does. Everything that I've seen from Trey Sermon has showed an improvement. He ran outside zone today, had enough speed to get to this, you know, get to where he needed to get, got vertical, got positive yards. He's ran physical, he's ran with good vision. It was probably, I think it was Wednesday that I believe Trey Sermon actually was the best running back on the field uh, that wasn't named Elijah Mitchell because Elijah Mitchell's always great, but he was Trey Sermon was running back too in those situations. So I, I think Sermon's going to make this team. I, I think he's showed enough improvement. And I think the 49ers have a lot of variety. And also Sermon has showed improvement in the passing game as well. He can now catch the ball more consistently than he did last year. Olivia says, Sneed pickup. What do you think? I think right now Sneed's a back, you know, a, a camp body, a guy they brought in to compete while they're trying to decide if they're going to keep five or six wide receivers. I think it makes the most sense to keep five, but you bring Snead in, get Snead used to the system. You know, heaven forbid you have an injury, you have Snead ready to go, but also you need players that can play during the preseason. That is some of what they're doing with these signings, bringing guys in that they know they can count on in these games because you have to get through these preseason games and you don't want to play Brent Ayuk and Debo Samuel very many carry or very many plays. Um, so those are things that the 49ers definitely need to keep working on, uh, bringing guys that they know can play. That's why you're seeing some of these signings, and that's what happened with Snead. But Snead's a very good blocker in the run game, so let's see if that ends up translating. And if Snead ends up becoming wide receiver six, he might make this team because right now I believe wide receiver six is Malik Turner. There are some good options for the 49ers. I just I don't know if they're going to keep six. We'll see if Snead ends up making a move there. Uh, we got a $2 super chat. From uh, Jag, gotta go. Hope you stay blessed. Uh, we miss Alex. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Jag. Appreciate the $2 super chat. We all miss Alex when he's not here. Um, and, you know, it's been one of those things where it's been it's been fun at training camp, and Alex hasn't been able to go. Uh, but, you know, yeah, when he's not here, I'm sure everyone misses him. So uh, thank you, Jag, for saying that. Really appreciate it. Uh, Juanito says, the two positions that touch the ball every single play are both question marks for the 49ers. Real big uh, red flag for me is, but hoping Shanahan can work this black magic and scheme to hide the weaknesses. I mean, yeah, you got you got to answer those questions, you know. And the only way you can answer those questions is by being able to be on the field and playing. 
and seeing how those reps go. You know, it's like Kyle Shanahan said, you don't know how things are going to go until you get punched in the mouth up there on the field. And that's what's going to happen, you know, with the two guys that you're right. Start with the football, the center position and the quarterback. The only thing that's good is from what I saw early on in training camp to what I see now, I've seen a lot of improvement at both positions. And that's exciting. Anytime you can improve and get better, uh, that means you have the potential to continue to develop into something even better down the road. Mr. Corey says, Brunskill's in a contract year. He's not going down without a fight. No, and he's a very solid player. Uh, Daniel Brunskill is very consistent. Right now, he's you know all, all entrenched in this center battle. And that could end up being where he ends up. Or it could be that maybe when they decide that they're going to go with a Brendel, uh, they decide to put Brunskill back in the guard mix against Burford. That could happen. I mean, that might be the ultimate decision. I think it's just that Burford's making it more difficult. Uh, Burford's playing at a high, higher level than I think a lot of people anticipated a rookie being able to play in Kyle Shanahan's system. So anytime you have a player elevate like that, it makes it a little bit more difficult on an incumbent, especially an incumbent that they have working in at another position to potentially help the team. But I do believe they all have a lot of faith in Daniel Brunskill, and they'll still probably give Daniel Brunskill an opportunity. Michael Humphrey says, I believe Brunskill will start at right guard while they continue to build Burford into a solid guard. Kyle said Brunskill has experience at right guard, so he didn't need work to work him there. That's a that's 100% correct, Michael. They didn't need to work him there at all. Uh, Brunskill knows what to do with the guard position, so him playing over at the, the center spot made the most sense. That's where he needs reps. And from what I saw yesterday, you know, he's still continuing to look more, uh, get comfortable snapping the ball. And they, they were under the center snaps that he was struggling with. So uh, I, I think that he's he's going to have a shot. We'll see what happens with Spencer Burford. I think we're going to see a lot of Burford during the preseason. And he'll get a lot of reps. So that's good news. We'll see how he develops. And let's see if Daniel Brunskill gets some reps at guard, you know, and maybe during some of the preseason games. That could happen as well. Olivia says Jefferson Jr. on the bubble. I think that you would probably have to think that any of these running backs right now are on the bubble that's not named Elijah Mitchell. You can't feel safe if you're in the running back room uh, besides Elijah Mitchell. Everybody else could potentially not make this roster because every single one of them are putting together good days. Now, I don't think TDP would ultimately not make this roster because he's a third-round pick this season. Um, but yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr., Trey Sermon, Jamichael Hasty. there's going to be a decision there. All the while, Jordan Mason's been sitting out there not getting as many opportunities but still has a chance, you know, to make this roster. I think Jordan Mason will end up on the practice squad um, unless he just has a brilliant preseason, which he could. I mean, he's a talented guy, a lot of physicality, big. Uh, he's, he's more smooth than you would think as well for a, a, such a big guy. Lou says, I think Wilson and Hasty might be toast. Uh, it could be. I, I think one of those guys make the roster and the other one doesn't. That's why we did a position battle video between Jeff Wilson Jr. and Jermichael Hasty. Because I think it's going to be one of those guys that make the team with Jordan Mason being on the practice squad. And Lou, I know you think Jordan Mason will make the team. So if Jordan Mason makes the team, you could be right. Both of those guys could be gone. Um, Olivia says the first time ever, two backs over 230s, uh, the power game is going to come into come into play. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think they're quite 230 pounds. Uh, they're right around 220 to 225 pounds. They're both big physical running backs. Um, the power run game is going to be important, especially converting on third and short, converting on fourth down. We saw that today with TDP converting on those situations. So those are definitely going to help, and those are going to keep Elijah Mitchell healthy. He's not going to have to bang in there and get those yards. So I think that's important. But also, I mean, just having them be available for the interior run game when you want to keep keep drives going and keep the defense, you know, off the field. I think that's definitely important 
Um, do I think that a power run game is going to be a part of this offense? Yeah. So I, I think that they've definitely got guys that are going to be able to eat up carries. I think that's part of the reason they got TDP and Trey Sermon. They need volume carry guys. But I think Elijah Mitchell bulking up shows that he can do it some too. But the goal is going to be keeping Elijah Mitchell healthy and sprinkling these other guys in certain situations. So uh, I think that's how it's going to work out. And Brandon West says, how is the first team interior pass protection looking lately? Fantastic, Brandon. I mean, I'm glad you asked that. The interior offensive line has looked so much better from when I saw them initially. Now, we knew they would get a little bit better when they got into pads, but even first day of pads was a little bit of a struggle. The continuity wasn't there. They didn't look comfortable, but yesterday and today, they looked really good today. Fantastic. And a lot of that goes to the fact that you don't have Nick Bosa rushing off the outside, but yeah, pass protection was looking good. They were giving the quarterbacks a lot of time. It was probably the most time I've seen for these quarterbacks to be able to locate receivers and get the ball, especially Trey Lance. So, uh, yeah, it was good news for the 49ers along the offensive line. Mr. Court says Tavares Moore's coming coming on strong. And I thought he was Hufanga's, uh, I thought it was Hufanga's job for sure. I did too, you know, and I'm, I'm going to wait and see, but Tavares Moore has definitely been getting better and better along the way. Uh, Hufanga's had nothing but good reps. I think he's looked good. Tavares Moore's just been going in there and having good reps as well, playing physical at the point of attack. It's really nice to watch both of those guys. Mr. Corey, I think this year we're going to get a little bit of a split between them and reps. I think we're going to get a 60-40 split, maybe even a 50-50 split. We'll see. But I think Tavares Moore and, and uh, Talano Hufanga not only – are on the field both, you know, uh, together with Jimmy Ward and three safety looks, but also split time. But I think they're both going to make an impact on this team. Um, the same way I think they're going to do that a little bit with uh, Dre Greenlaw and uh, Aziz Alshire. I don't think Gre- Greenlaw is going to play every single snap in the nickel situation. I think sometimes they'll put Aziz out there in, in those situations as well, just to keep everyone fresh and healthy. Uh, Lou says, no, Ant, say it ain't so about Mason. Sorry, Lou. Um, I like Mason. I really do. You know, and I, I went out there with an open mind and watched him. And, you know, from everything I saw, he looks good. The problem is everybody ahead of him looks good, too. It's just a very tough running back room to be a part of. So Jordan Mason is, is the most physically imposing out of all the running backs. And um, he's very smooth when he runs his pass routes. But making this team is going to be very difficult. That's not one area. Well, where the 49ers are struggling at running back. They have depth on depth on depth. Olivia says change of pace is good in the overall health of the running back room. Yeah, it is. Uh, change of pace is nice, and they do have a nice change of pace because Elijah Mitchell is a do-it-all back. And then you have big physical runners like TDP, uh, Trey Sermon, and Jordan Mason who all fit a similar role. Now, they're a little bit different style of runner, but it can get you those tough yards and be volume carry guys. And then Jamichael Hasty has been playing predominantly the third down back role, catching the ball in the backfield, and then making some plays on toss plays on the outside. He's definitely quick. Um, and then Jeff Wilson Jr. is kind of a do-it-all guy. We've seen Jeff Wilson Jr. Uh, running, blocking, uh, making catches out of the backfield. And he's looked more explosive as we've gotten you know farther into this week, of course. Early in the week, he misses practice with an injury. He comes back, and now he's looking healthy and ready to run. And today was taking um, second team reps at first. Eventually, it ended up being a TDP, but they could be still limiting the amount of reps that uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. are getting as he's getting healthy. So I think that is, and what's up, Freddie Mac Dre? I hope you're having a good one. So I think that's what's going on with that running back room. There's just a lot, you know, there's a lot that goes into uh, the running back room and, and all the guys that are in it. So um, it's it's just good. The, right now we're getting a lot of talent from the 49ers, and I'm excited about all the talent that they got. 49ers Faithful Forever says, 
Damn, I'm late. But what's up, Ant? How's it going for Ant's Faithful Forever? You're not the only one. I mean, there's a few people that jumped in late, but I'm glad you made it over to the conversation. And, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna extend this about five minutes. I normally would be hopping off right now, but I'm extending it like five minutes. So if you have any questions you want to sneak in, let's get those things done in the next five minutes. Let's have a, a fun conversation before I hop off. It has been a fun weekend, but it's been a long weekend. You know, I got to enjoy myself a little bit after training camp yesterday. That's why there was no live. I got to go hear some live music at a at a winery with my girlfriend and just enjoy life. But, you know, we're back at it today. We're getting in football. It was fun today because training camp was absolutely exciting. And um, I, I think that's one of the, the fun things is getting out there every day. You see, a, number one, Four Yards Faithful comes out in force. A lot of great people out there. Uh, that that's fun. But then you get to be in an environment uh, like the 49ers put on. It's It's been exciting. I'm looking forward to um, tomorrow, which is Dwight Clark Day. I mean, who doesn't like Dwight Clark Day? I'm um, not doing it in the stadium like they did last year, but uh, I think it's I think it's going to be cool. Olivia says, what do you think if Lance takes care of the ball, throws the ball 20 times a game, uh, play action off the run game, off schedule play where he they're back to the playoffs? Yeah, if you only have to throw the ball 20 times, it means your run game is going good. And if your run game is going good, those play action passes are going to go good. And then the occasional off schedule play, um, you know, where the where pressure gets to him, they, he can make those. Not only can the 49ers get back to the playoffs, that's a recipe to get to the Super Bowl because of how good the 49ers defense is um, and how good I expect their special teams to be with Brian Snyder now at the helm. So I think it all works together, all three phases working together. But I do believe that that is a recipe for success. You know, keep Trey's uh, attempts to 20 to 25 a game. Allow the run game to run the ball, you know, between 30 and 40 times a game. And then play really solid defense. I think if you control the clock, all those things are going to help you be a, a better football team and a potential playoff winning caliber football team. It's not easy. Uh, that's one of the things in the NFL. Any team can beat you any single day. So it's not easy. But that would make it a lot easier for sure. Freddie Mac says, will Mason make the running back room? I don't think so. Now, I'm going to leave it open because I haven't seen Mason be able to run in preseason games, which I want to see. Because I think he's going to be really hard to take down. Right now, he's running through arm tackles because these defenders are not allowed to hit him and take him to the ground. We did see a little bit of physicality today on a couple of the inside runs where Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire have had enough of these guys trying to bolt into them without them being able to absolutely you know, crack them. So we did get a couple guys on the ground on a couple occasions, but um, I don't know. I, I, Mason's looked good early in the week. I thought it was a better chance. Now there's just very limited reps. I mean, he's getting running back six reps. So right now it doesn't look like it, but it can change in a heartbeat. Uh, so so maybe. Uh, Freddie says, DM for my wine, bottled on amazing 2020 Cabernet uh, two weeks ago. Wow, that sounds that sounds fantastic, Freddie Mac Dre. Very well done. Freddie Mac Dre is all about it. Uh, really, really appreciate that for sure. Um, so yeah, I'll have to, have to hit you for a, a DM too. Uh, my girlfriend enjoys the wine very much. Uh, Four Years Faithful Forever says, how many sacks for Jackson? I think it depends on what Jackson's role ends up being for this 49ers defense. Number one, if he's if he's playing more of a situational pass rusher situ, you know, position, he's going to have some opportunities at sacks, but how many opportunities is he ultimately going to get? Because they have so many other guys, whether that is, you know, Kamoko Ture, Charles Aminahue, uh, Jordan Willis, there's a lot of guys. So I think that's one thing that plays into it. Now, I think Jackson is moving pretty rapidly as in his development. 
I see some of the pass rush techniques still need to get a little bit better because Sarek's been working on him using a single arm technique to be able to keep separation between him and an offensive player and then using a move off of that. That's something they're going to continue to develop. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Jackson ends up having three or four sacks. I think he gets opportunities late in the season, is able to make plays opposite of Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and those guys. Um, but I think that's even lofty in my opinion because there's just there's going to be so many good pass rushers. And today, Kamoko Ture just had one of his best days, absolutely putting together pass moves all over the 49ers backup tackles, whether it was Justin Skewell or uh, Sam Schluter. It was not easy sledding against Kamoko Ture, who was all of a sudden starting to use a, a variety of different moves, including a spin move that was pretty de deadly. Uh, Scott Hill says, hey, Ant, how does Ray Rukau look on special teams? He looks great. Uh, Ray McLeod looks explosive. There's a couple of guys on this team that definitely you know, have been looking pretty fast. Brian Ayuk has still been catching the ball as well. But I think this is Ray Ray's job. Ray Ray is going to be the return guy, especially in the punt return uh, game. And he looks confident. He hasn't dropped the ball. He hasn't put the ball on the ground as far as fumbles, which is good news because these defenders and special teams guys fly around. And the first thing they do when they're trying to tackle you is absolutely knock the ball out. And Ray Ray is held up in that area. Um, this is probably the most confident I've been in a return guy in a long time. So that is good news. I know I'm excited about that. Oliva says, I'm loving Lance play action ability with that running game and big plays. Yeah, big plays are going to happen. Trey Lance is willing to take those. And with Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray, Brandon Ayuk, Debo, George Kittle, all being able to get vertical and down the field and getting even beyond our really good secondary, there's going to be opportunities just as long as that offensive line can hold up. Today, there was one of those situations they were holding up. Those big plays were available down the field. Michael Humphrey says, I see the 49ers at 14-3. Bold prediction, 49ers win Super Bowl, and Kyle Shanahan gets a Twitter account. Whew, I think that the biggest uh, the biggest question mark, Michael Humphrey, in your entire comment is Shanahan getting a Twitter account. <laughs> I think that's the most unbelievable thing of all of them. Uh, that would be hilarious if he did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 14-3. If they went 14-3, and um, I think the 49ers would have a very good opportunity to win the Super Bowl. That would be an impressive record with such a tough schedule. Anytime you have a great defense and, and you can run the football, it gives you an opportunity. Uh, why not believe that, right? Uh, Freddie Mac Dre says, do you believe Kyle when he says they have the talent for the center? I do. I do now. I mean, over the last couple of days, I've gotten you know more and more in depth with how these guys are playing. Um, and fr you know Friday, they would practice right in front of us. I really got to see the difference between Brunskill and Brendel. I think both of them block well, but you can tell that you know, Brendel's playing pretty well and the chemistry he's working on with Burford and Banks looks pretty good. Um, so I, I'm feeling pretty confident with those two guys at the center position, but we're not going to know for sure until we get into you know the joint practices with Minnesota and hear what we hear from that. And then also from these preseason games uh, when it's a, a different player, but every single day, these guys get tremendous work against really good defensive linemen you're lining up against javon kinlaw you know you're lining up against robert uh Kendiche. these guys are good football players and they're going against them day in and day out and they're holding their own i think that's really good so olivia says one at center lance worked with a one all last year they might have chemistry yeah that's a brendel and, and lance have a lot of chemistry together and so that really helps uh golden dragon says trey worked with jake brendel on silent count trey checks his own line yeah, there, there's a lot of really good things that go from them and their chemistry working together. Um, Trey already knows what Jake's going to do before Jake needed to do it. Those guys n understand what each other's doing. Uh, Fortnite Faithful Forever says, thanks for the coverage all week, and hope you enjoy Sunday. 
Uh, thank you very much for this faithful forever and always nice to have you in chat. And Bolivar says rematch of 2019 Super Bowl Niners 34, Chiefs 24. That's a great prediction. And whether it was Michael Humphrey coming with 14 and 3 or Bolivar coming with the 49ers winning or 49ers winning a Super Bowl in a rematch of the 2019 Super Bowl, it's been a fun chat. Everyone has done a really good day. And the the cut the so here's how the before I move before I in the in the stream, uh 49ers faithful forever says anyone happen to have the cut dates. So the cut dates are going to happen on the Tuesdays after the game. So after the, the first game, uh, August 12th, that Tuesday, they're going to cut from 90 to 85. After the Minnesota game on August 20th, that Tuesday, they're going to cut from 85 to 80. And then on August 30th, after the final game, uh, which is on a Thursday, so it's going to be a long period of time between the game against the Texans and the final cuts. But on August 30th, they'll make their final cuts to 53. So that's how it works preseason game comes that following tuesday you have to be down to those cuts uh and bolivar just put it all in there for you very well done so really appreciate that bolivar and i want to say thank you to everyone that jumped on the stream i had such a good time i actually went overtime and talked to everybody else uh, everybody here but i had such a good time thank you all for coming it's been such a good week so far i know it's going to continue as we work towards the end of training camp next week but i've been exciting it and uh, are enjoying it. And I hope it's exciting for everyone else as well. 49ers are looking pretty good. And we got to continue to see what they do during the preseason. But it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so stay safe. And remember, the right way is always the 49ers way. Later, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.